1: Welcome into The Vault, our daily podcast covering the Baltimore Ravens. It is Tuesday, February 21st, and Baltimore has just announced new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin at his introductory press conference. We are going to dive in to all that and more, literally everything you need to know, every aspect of the press conference, if you haven't already checked it out. But first, John Harbaugh officially introducing Todd sounded like this Todd
2: doesn't even know this. It started with a call that I got from my sister, Joni Crean, and Tom Crean. Because uh, when Todd was at Georgia the last couple of years, Joni and Tom got to know Todd and his wife and Terry. And, and they got to be uh, friends, I think, you know, and uh, spend a lot of time together. And, and Joni just tells me, you've got to talk to Todd Munkin. He's amazing. His wife's amazing. He's a great coach. We've seen what he's done here at Georgia. I got on the phone with Tom. Tom reiterated that, how much he respected Todd. And that really got me thinking in that direction. So we reached out and had a chance to talk to Todd. and. and uh, I think on the phone first, and then the Zoom meeting, just talking ball, really, talking background. We're kind of both from the Midwest originally, but so we, we know a lot of the same people, and I know Todd from afar. You know, I'd watch him coach. We'd coach against each other, um, but then just talking ball and just how, how, how really great, how extensive his knowledge is, how broad his knowledge is, how, how adaptable he is, how versatile he is in terms of what he's able to do with his, with his X's and O's and his scheme stuff, so the ability to move in different kind of systems, uh, different kind of uh, types of football, different personnel groups, run game, pass game, protection, RPOs, quarterback-driven stuff, downhill run game, play action stuff tied to it, all the stuff that we're kind of looking for, different kind of tempos, huddle, no huddle, real fast, controlled tempo, call plays at the line, don't call plays at the line. I mean, these are all things that you talk about, things that he brings to the table that he's really, I just think, very versatile with, and that's going to be very valuable for us, so that part of it. The relationship part of it was really good, too. You know, you talk to different people that have been around Todd, players especially, but also coaches. Uh, He's just got a great way with players. He's got a great way in the meeting room. He's very talented in the meeting room. Gets the guys going, gets them laughing a little bit. You'll see. You know, he can talk and he can tell a story, but he can challenge the guys, too, and hold them to the highest standard. I know our players are going to love him. They're going to love being around him every single day. And uh, and also, I think, finally, I guess the the, the biggest part for me, you know, character, obviously – relationships, obviously, but the ability to and the focus on building an offense around the talent that you have. Not necessarily a one-system type of, a, of an approach, that this is our system and we fit the players to the system, but a player-driven approach, that we're going to build a system around the players and around the, you know, around the personality of the team. I think our fan base is going to be really excited with what we see from this offense going forward. I know I am. So uh, we're going to get started today. And I guess with no further ado, I'm going to introduce to you our new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin.
1: So again, that was just a small snippet there of John Harbaugh's opening statement at Todd Munkin's introductory press conference earlier today as we... Uh, Uh, Again, officially welcome you back into the vault. I'm Bobby Trossett joined as always by my co-host, Sarah Ellison and partner. We're about to dissect this entire thing. So let's just, let's begin with our opening statements. And I know we're both impressed as, as anyone would be right with an introductory press conference. There's a lot of work to be done, but I thought overall he made a pretty dang good first impression.
3: Very, very good first impression. Uh, I'm trying to remember the first time I, I heard uh, Marty Mortingweg, you know, speak, speak at a press conference, conference And I was like, wait, this is this is the guy? This is the guy who we chose here. Uh, definitely not my reaction with Todd Munkin. I mean, I've got some people here on Twitter saying to me, I'm um, Skeptic Goat is just one of them who were saying, you know, I really wanted Eric be enemy. He was my guy all the way. I didn't hide my disappointment. But now after listening to Todd Munkin. You know, I think we got our guy. This is what I'm hearing from people that were were a little bit skeptical. And so um I felt like he came across as knowledgeable, uh, which you has has got obviously gotta be a staple. He came across as like a no BS kind of guy. Um, you know, just kind of like didn't, you know, isn't your typical uh coach who's who's watching his language i think there was a couple at least one time he let a curse word slip through and it didn't even register to him you know that he had let it slip through um he he would not accept compliments he's like oh oh that's 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 full of you know bleep right bleep right there when he was talked about a compliment that was given to him and he's like that was just the camera on um you know gave real answers i feel like when when asked uh about whether or not Lamar Jackson's contract situation I know we'll get to that but just all those things c- combined made me feel like he just is a no BS kind of straightforward kind of guy and also his philosophy which I'm sure we're also going to get into made me think oh crap he he gets it and the players I think at least based off what he's saying it all comes down to when the you know the whistle blows and it's time to play but the way he was talking, it seems, especially coming from the college uh, ranks, he knows how players want to play football, and he was talking about, he's like, nobody wants to do this under center all the time, five-step drop, and he's like, no, they want to be in RPOs, they want to be spread, they want to, anyway, we'll get into all of that, but uh, he just said everything that he needed to, he said everything to the point where he's changing people's minds that, for those that wanted Eric B enemy.
1: Yeah, a lot of good points there. I would add to that with there was a a humility expressed, I would say, and also just a humble nature. I even said that at Georgia, he got way too much credit for what others around him, especially the players, were able to do offensively speaking from a statistical category. So that was pretty refreshing, I thought. And uh, why don't we cut to, you know, one of his first answers, because, you know, his decision to go from, I mean, all kinds of success over the last few years at Georgia, including back-to-back national championship-led offenses. He returns to the NFL now, and uh, he talked about what went into that decision.
4: I think first is the challenge, doing against the best in the world. I think everybody aspires to have that challenge. If I was gonna do it, it was gonna be somewhere that was parallel to Georgia. Uh, Part of the reason I went to Georgia, one of the main reasons was because of culture head coach winning really good on defense, obviously trying to find a way to do it better on offense. So I thought that was a, a, a parallel that I thought uh, fit me. Um, so irrespective of uh, who was or wasn't gonna be on the roster, I felt like it was um, it was something I really wanted to do and, and that I've always wanted to do. Um, so that doesn't mean that I'm not grateful for Kirby Smart and the coaches that I worked with there. I get way too much credit for our success. I came in there and the culture was already set. The players were already recruited. The staff that we put together was tremendous in terms of our success, um, but this was what was next. And you can't be two places at once. That's just the way it is sometimes in life. Um, That was a great job, and, and it was hard. You get close to the players, but you can't be two places at once, and this is what's next.
1: And Sarah, one thing that we can confirm, his raspy voice isn't just an in-season thing. That's a (laughs) year-round thing, and I love it. He just screams football, screams business-like at you. And uh, that was one of his many compelling answers that we'll get to.
3: Yeah, no, I think that's interesting. I think there's so much, um, what's the word? I mean, depression, toxicity right now in the Ravens fan base because of the Lamar Jackson contract that this has been going on now for two years, maybe longer. I don't know if the Ravens ever offered him something after year three. Uh, So it's been, it's been going on for quite some time. Uh, But prior to this, it was never like a, a big question of whether or not the Ravens were like this organization that people wanted to come to. And so that certainly is not the case with wide receivers, but it just continues to be the case. You have another example here, Todd Munkin saying, you know, if I was going to leave Georgia, yeah, I wanted the challenge to do it among the best of the world, but it needed to be in a place that I wanted to be, and he wanted it to parallel, you know, what Georgia had, which, you know, to become a national champion, you do need to have culture. You do need to have stability. You do need to have uh, a head coach and all of that. And for Todd Munkin and all the options that he had, including maybe trying to go for a three-peat with a national championship, in his mind – The Ravens offered all those things that mattered to him. And I don't think we can just like push that away because, you know, we're all still upset and looking around at what's happening with Lamar Jackson, the contract there, that reputation is still strong enough that it's pulling in a head coach that just, or an offensive coordinator that just won two national championships.
1: Probably a perfect segue to go to two sound bites related to Lamar. Obviously, those questions you knew they were going to be asked. And and we should mention, too, that while Harbaugh did provide his five-minute opening statement, he was not at the podium or it wasn't a desk with two microphones. It was a single podium with one microphone, and he was not to take questions today. I think we all are probably not surprised by that whatsoever, especially because Todd was not ready, and I'm sure Harbs wasn't either, to announce any coaching related decisions underneath Munkin whether that's QB's coach, wide receivers coach, pass game coordinator all the all those those assets that go into an offensive staff have not yet been decided. So if they haven't been decided, you might as well not put in, in terms of what PR is looking at, right? We're not going to put him out in front of of, of media yet. Now,
3: well, and it again, it, two- it also it also wouldn't have been fair like if John's if John was still out there that would have become a Lamar Jackson contract press conference. And I know that's what's on our mind. It's a, it's what's on everybody's mind. But Todd Munkin deserved to have a press conference that introduced him. And so that was fine to ask him his impressions of Lamar and what's going on with him and how he'll build his offense around Lamar. So that's all fair. But if John Harbaugh had stayed up there, it, it Lamar Jackson would have overshadowed everything like he should. I mean, it's a massive decision everything that happens now in Baltimore is overshadowed by this contract. And so to the best of their ability, they try to make the day about Todd Munkin. And I thought that was, that was fair for Todd.
1: Absolutely. And then, you know, onto Lamar, of course, because he was asked, Mm -hmm. uh, Hey, given Lamar's uncertain status right now, his future in Baltimore remains in limbo. uh, We know that today, as we sit here and broadcast this, the franchise tag window has opened. It, extends two weeks that's march 7th so at some point within the next two weeks perhaps the exclusive franchise tag could be placed on lamar but he was asked whether or not uh, his uncertain status influenced his decision to come to baltimore
4: well okay first of all i count on eric and john they're best in the business they're going to take care of anything that has to do with any player not just lamar Sure, any player that's part of a roster where you're going into, you have an interest of what the roster is going to look like. But ultimately, I want to be someplace where structure, organization, great on defense from top to bottom. And everywhere I talk to and everybody I talk to, excuse me, said you want to be you want to be a Baltimore Raven. You want to be a part of that organization moving forward.
1: What else can you say? <laughs>
3: uh, there there is no Listen, there is no answer to that. I mean, it's like you said like Obviously he looks at the roster what coach wouldn't. And I'm sure he would like Lamar Jackson to be here. There's no other answer he could have given because the the reality is is that Lamar Jackson is not under contract and the reality is is that if he, even if he's tagged, he can either hold out all the way up to week 1 or hold out all year long, which I don't think he would do, but that is uh, you know a possibility. And so Todd Munkin, I think struck both of us and this fan base is a super smart guy. He's not walking into Baltimore's doors with the wool pulled over his eyes being like, yeah, I'm going to have Lamar Jackson for the next five years. He's too smart to like, to like base his decision on that. He can't. So it does tell you something that he still wanted to come here, probably hoping that Lamar will you know, at least be one year, if not five more years at the very least. I'm sure he would love to be connected to Lamar for the next five years, but he knows that that is not guaranteed and he chose to come anyway. And I'd have to think, and maybe I'm wrong, I'd have to think that maybe that's one of the reasons why they chose him because John Harbaugh is also a smart guy. Eric DaCosta is also a smart guy. As much optimism as they Portray during their press conferences that L- Lamar will be back because I do believe they do want him to be back. I think after two years of this, they know that they also can't guarantee it. And so we keep talking about how Todd Munkin, they said it many times, John Harbaugh said it in his opener, how flexible Todd Munkin is, how he can, he's not a one system kind of guy. Greg Roman is who Greg Roman is. Maybe he could improve a little bit in the pass game, but hes he's a run game guy. Todd Munkin is not a system guy. And so with the uncertainty of Lamar Jackson, they have a coach who they believe who can absolutely help Lamar and take things to another level. And then if Lamar isn't still here, they believe they have a coach that can can coach many quarterbacks. And so perhaps that is one of the reasons why they chose him
1: i think it's a great point because his track record especially at the nfl level right working with quarterbacks like Jameis winston ryan fitzpatrick right those guys aren't the, the the superman uh role that lamar has played throughout his five years here right so i guess i think that's a great point and and maybe his style and and his play calling abilities isn't necessarily dictated by you know the quarterback position it's it's a full arsenal attack whether that's through the air on the ground, you name it. Another question related to Lamar was this. How would you describe his style? And he started off by using a word that Joe Flacco heard a time or two in Baltimore <laughs> and even after his time in Baltimore.
4: Elite, <laughs> to this. You know, he's got an elite skill set. I mean, it's obvious when you watch him on, on film. I mean, the things he can do with the football and the plays that he makes. And uh, I think he's underrated as a passer. Maybe I, I think so in terms of his ability to make plays and throw it down the field. Um, so, you've all seen it, I mean, I'm like you. I haven't, I mean, I'm no different than you. I watch what you guys watch, you know, and it's pretty amazing.
1: I love how blunt he is in so, so many different instances. You know, I think I'm not sure he's going to be Wink Martindale per se, but it seems like he's a little less dry than Mike McDonald is, <laughs> wouldn't you say? <laughs> <laughs>
3: And and even Greg Roman, Greg Roman probably not as dry as Mike McDonald, but he even is a step up there from Greg Roman. I don't know that he'll have any vaults, you know, hidden all these plays and, and stuff like that. No, he is, he he doesn't. He's he's blunt. It's a, a good blunt is a good word for him. No BS. I said that off the top.
1: And that's what we learned. You know, that's, that's kind of what we had, had learned of him and some of the, and the digging that we've done in, in the last couple of weeks since this, well, actually really only a week, right. Since this hire was made and looking forward to catching up with former Georgia quarterback, uh, Hudson Mason later this week, we're going to be having him on. He's a radio host down South and is still very in tune with Georgia football and, and has watched Todd closely. So interested to hear his perspective uh, on the vault coming up in the next few days. But, uh, but, yeah, you, you kind of – you know what you're going to get from him. You know, Greg liked to use his cliches, and he kind of bounced around. And at some point, you're thinking to himself, like, Is it, was this a genuine answer? It just feels like Todd's a straight shooter, and I think that's refreshing on a number of levels.
3: Yeah, and, and one other thing. So just on, on you know, his description of Lamar calling him elite, as, as, as he said there, I, Bobby, I went so badly, <laughs> went so badly to have Lamar in Baltimore – in a non Greg Roman offense, I, I, again we had it with Martin Mortingweg, but I but that was his rookie year. It was for you know six games, whatever. It it was not enough of a taste. I want so badly to see what Lamar can do in Baltimore because we'll see what he can do, uh, no matter what, whether he's in Baltimore or not. But I, I want to see this. I want to see this. I want to see this duo. I want to see, uh, his Todd Munkins philosophy where he kept saying they even asked him early on I know you got the clip on on the offensive philosophy but he said up top that it was going to be a challenge to implement kind of the run power with his philosophy which he said maybe a million maybe the the word of the day for him was space spacing he wanted space whereas how many times with Greg Roman was it this like compact power run and it's like maybe you'd have you know, two wide receivers, you know, on, on either side, but it was just so compact. And then, you know, he's talking about attacking all sides and all, all yards on the field. And so, you know, he talked about, you know, the RPOs and, and the, the, uh, the coming out of gun and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, please let me see these two together. Let me see this Lamar Jackson without Greg Roman.
1: Couldn't agree more. I think, you're not the only one banging the drums. (laughs) Hopefully we see that in a few months, you know, several months from now when, uh, when they, you know, the 2023 campaign officially launches, but let's get to him talking scheme, because I feel like those of you out there that love the nitty gritty of football. And I know, you know, there are times where, especially in the off season where we talk big picture items, right. And it may seem like, oh gosh, you know, I wish they would stay away from trends and, and talk more, you know, fundamentals and X's and O's and, and we get that. We got to do a boat. We got to do a little bit of both. You know, we, we're, uh, you know, we're not, we, we don't like to be one dimensional. And, and I thought that, uh, him talking about his philosophy was really, really interesting on a number of levels. And Warren Sharp, before I clipped to, uh, the, the sound bite, Warren Sharp just picked up on it as well. And, and he said, Eight minutes from, from Todd Munkin on the way you win. And he summarized it with these bullet points. And this is, this is right from, from Munkin's mouth, no turnovers, be explosive, score touchdowns in the red zone. Anybody have a thought on that one? (laughs) Third down efficiency. Don't have lost yardage plays and off schedule plays from the quarterback. Love that final one, and there's plenty. There's been plenty of that, obviously, over the years. But specifically, here he is talking about his scheme, his style, his philosophy as an offensive play caller.
4: And so, when you look at the roster, you see, okay, Mark, who's done it for X amount of years, and Mark won't remember this. So you got two great. Time. So I'm going to tell a story just for the hell of it here, since I have the microphone. So, 12 years ago, I'm at Oklahoma State. Mark probably was not remember this. So I'm at Oklahoma State. Casey Dunn is the wide receiver coach. I'm the coordinator. We're flying to Arizona to watch a quarterback throw and a receiver run routes. This is 2011. Okay, we go there. I'm dog cussing him the whole way. Can't believe we're going to see sophomores. This is the dumbest thing going. I get there. It's Kyle Allen throwing, and it's Mark Andrews catching as a sophomore, 16-year-old, playing wide receiver. And Of course, he goes to Oklahoma, but, uh, and I'm at Oklahoma State. So, but but the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that he's a tremendous player, done it for a number of years. you got a young player that is learning how to play at the professional level, but they both have the ability to make plays down the field, run after catch. Um, so it's a great um, starting point because I think they're tough matchup guys. I think it starts with matchups where – if. Once you get out of the run-play-action world, now you're in a matchup world. Running backs that can win on linebackers, tight ends that can win, and it forces them. Are they going to go big and you win matchups, or are they going to go small and you're better off in the run game? Those guys create matchup issues for you, which is a great starting point.
1: Obviously, that goes without saying, that's what I get for doing things on the fly. That was his answer uh, to (laughs) to the tight end room. And he also told a great story about Mark Andrews when he was 16, which is kind of cool. And Kyle Allen, who we remember as well, uh, that's that's just how crazy small the football world is. Um, but but the question was about Isaiah Likely to begin with, if you remember it, Sarah. Yeah. And uh, and then he and he kind of tied it in with with Mark. And i of course I'll have the scheme answer in just a bit, but I wanted to give you a, a chance to react to that as well because uh, he has been, you know, he's he's been known, especially last year in Georgia, to to heavily use his tight ends and have a lot of production while doing so.
3: Yeah, well, he's been known to have production with his best players. I think that's a better way to put it is, you know, he he talked a lot about Tampa Bay and the, you know, embarrassment of riches that they had at the wide receiver position. When he started listing off all the wide receivers at Tampa Bay, uh, listen, I try not to be a jealous person, (laughs) but like a little bit of jealousy started creeping in with like just the list of, of wide receivers over there. And so I think, yeah, I think that's a better way to put it. He's looking for mismatches. He's looking for... He, and I'm sure you're going to get it, get to it. Yes, he is absolutely going to be able to use Mark Andrews, but any offensive coordinator could, I would hope. I mean, he is a pro bowler. He's top two or three tight ends in the league. He's reliable. He's tough. He's a leader. He's trying to track down foot fumble returns, all that kind of stuff. He's a guy that you want on your team. And so I have no doubt that he will be able to implement Mark Andrews in an efficient and effective way and make sure that, you know, he's used in red zone and all the things that you listed off from, from that tweet. So, you know, the, the next question is, is what can he do from there?
1: So I guess the umbrella overall, that is what I tossed to a minute ago, right? Like the overall scheme, the philosophy, the style, you know, the nuances and he gave a two plus minute answer. So bear with us here, but it is, it is pretty cool. And it reminds me of like that clip that we shared I think within the last week or so, on the vault of him, like literally reciting play by play, drive by drive. From was he with Tampa? I think at the time, I think he was. So he's just an all ball, all day long kind of guy. It really comes across like that. And again, here's what I was tossing to a
4: minute. Hard because um, first of all, when I first started watching film, first of all, you know, there's a transition because Lamar has been here for a while. You know, and the roster changes around players and injuries add to that. And I first started watching and I'm like, wow, they do like they do really good stuff in the run game. Like, holy cow, that, that is very creative. And at first I was watching it going, I have no idea why they want me there. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be able to be better at. Truly, you know, I was like, wow, they did some really good things. And, um, you know, as you continue to watch and, you know, players dictate style of play. They do. Players around the quarterback dictate a style of play. There's no way around it. When I was at Tampa, we had really good receivers. We had Deshaun. We had Mike Evans. We had Chris Godwin. We had Adam Humphreys. And we had O.J. Howard. and We had Cam Brait. And we had quarterbacks that loved to throw it, sometimes to the other team, but they liked to throw it. But the reality was we were much better throwing it. So that's what you, right? That's where you play to the strengths of who you have, right? We had to be good throwing it. Uh, we weren't nearly as adept running it. We, I need I needed to do a better job probably scheming it. Okay, so then you get in somewhere where you start losing some of your perimeter players. It's still about winning. So it's hard to judge because you don't know the roster. Does that make sense? Like, you're, Why are they doing the things they're doing offensively? Because it's still about winning. You have to do the things that give you the best chance to win every week. Um, but I do think that being able to use, I think players want to play in a game that spaces the field. I think when you go into an install meeting, all of your skilled players want to say, where are my opportunities coming? Where am I going to get a chance to touch the football and showcase my ability? And I think the more you're able to do that and utilize that, because to me, balance isn't run pass. Balance is make them cover all five of your guys, make them defend the field, make them defend you know, the depth of the field. So I think it's all of those things easier said than done sometimes based on personnel. But I think that's where players want to play. They see themselves in that. The game has gone that way. That's the way the college game has gone. That's what they're used to. They're not used to anymore being under center five-step drop. That doesn't exist. They're used to being a gun, RPOs, spreading the field, using space players. That's what they're used to. So I think that's the style they want to play. And so if you said, yeah, is that who we're going to be? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I think that's got to be a part of what you do.
1: Yeah. So space, if that wasn't a big <laughs> takeaway, you're right after listening to that and several other his answers, uh, not sure, not sure what would be a takeaway if it's not for space. And we know, you know, under the Greg Roman scheme and, and, an offensive philosophy for, for pass catchers on the outside space and alignment were both flaws.
3: Yeah, definitely. I, uh, he also, as you mentioned off the top, he showed that humility to start saying like, Holy moly, as he's watching the run game, he's like, why do they want me? And okay. I can, if he needs an answer, I can give it to him. <laughs> I mean, it's because we need more than a run game and yeah. uh, hopefully he can bring that. So yeah. So what I really liked and and it, it, it was manifest in that clip right there. And he, he said it in a few other places is he seems to be able to look at the game through his players' eyes. So because at one point he was asked about a player saying that he didn't understand football until Todd Munkin came along, and that's where he's like, oh, that's BS. He doesn't really mean that. He's exaggerating it, trying to, like, play down the compliment. And then he was like, I'm sure he just meant that maybe I helped him look at it through an NFL lens because he hadn't played in the NFL. And so so he goes, so what I try to do when I teach them is try to look at it the way they look at it, and then kind of add on top of that. And so and then in the clip that we just read he almost spoke from that point of view again. He's like, "Look, he's like, I learned this the first time I was in the NFL when I'm in, when I'm putting an in install. So he's got plays and then coaches have to install them. And he's like, "I'm looking at it through the player's eyes, so when they get it, they're like, "Where's my opportunity?" Okay, so if I'm a wide receiver that doesn't come to Baltimore, is that because I'm looking at the opportunities that Greg Roman is giving me? Absolutely. If you don't think that that's going through their minds, and then they look at it through a Todd Munkin offense, and there's and so he's already ahead of that when he's thinking of the place he's going to run, and then when he gives it out to the players, he's like, so if I got a skilled player over here at wide receiver who's in the slot, I got a wide re- an ex wide receiver, I've got a tight end, I've got a running back, I've got you know, a quarterback with Lamar Jackson, I need to install something. So that's why he said balance is so narrow to say that it's run versus pass. Because I've got a lot more guys, like I might have three or four guys, whether it's tight ends and wide receivers that are going out for passes, just because it's one pass play, it doesn't mean that they're eating. And so he's like, I have to balance it between my five skill skill position guys. And they're thinking, where's my opportunity? And so he's trying to balance that. How do I get J.K. a little love so that J.K. isn't after, after, you know, a playoff game being like, seriously, I'm tired of shutting my mouth. Feed me the rock. Feed me the rock. You don't want an offensive coordinator who's having players that angry, especially when it's a star like that. He's one of your best guys. Your best guys doesn't feel like they're eating a lot. And so I like the way he, he came about that. He also comes about it from him. He's coming from the college ranks again where you'd like to think because the NFL is the top of the game, so the NFL dictates down, and that's not how it works. The game dictates up. It dictates from high school to college to NFLs because that's the way these kids are taught, and that becomes what they're good at by the time they're up there. And so he's saying they don't want these five-step dropbacks under center anymore because that's not what they have been playing through high school and college. And so the fact that he can maybe start putting in an offense that again, not only the skill players like, but everybody likes because it's what they're used to. So hopefully he can bring that college game up that he just won two national championships with and really start to balance it out with all of his players.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. There was a general awareness
3: that yeah
1: he showcased to for his players and for their priorities and what they want obviously everybody wants to eat there's only one football yeah. unfortunately and i thought the example that that he used was this past season in georgia they were heavy because like you said earlier on you kind of like corrected me in a way too it, that he plays to his players strengths based on any given roster that he has year in and year out and this past season for Georgia, his best players happen to be running backs and tight ends. So he's like, look, I get it. My slot guys, you know, didn't have a chance to eat as much because that's just the way that that things shook out with their roster construction and, and who were, were the biggest factors. But they were humble guys, they were team first character guys that it worked. Now we've seen over the years that the wide receiver position in Baltimore. If if you're not a willing blocker, if you're not willing to, you know, be in a run-first offense, then it's probably not going to be the place for you. Hopefully those times, you know, are changing right now with this hire, you know?
3: Yeah, and it works as long as you're winning. Like, players have yeah. had an easier time doing it in Baltimore in 2019 because everything was working and they were scoring in the red zone and they were having enough points. So then you could, you know, you have more plays, and because you have more plays, you have a more – touches and with more touches you get more yards and more and more scoring and so uh you know it's all well and good you have guys that are willing to sacrifice if results are coming and it just felt like Greg Roman started losing those results and therefore lost
2: trust
1: get on to another nugget too that's certainly going to be I don't know maybe making its rounds on social he was really asked this question because he coached him for a year in Cleveland and that's Odell Beckham Jr. who remains. A free agent since the torn ACL sustained now two Super Bowls ago, you know. There's been a bunch of teams that have rumored to be interested. I know Dallas was a front runner at one point this past year. Then OBJ gets on one of his podcast appearances and says, "Ah, look, don't bring me until January. Yeah, that's really all I need." I remember you and I were like, "What? So you're just gonna coast in into January and play postseason football?" That's not exactly how it works. You got to be around for the long haul. Obviously, I, know, I think we can both agree that he still has more left to give, uh, especially now with a full offseason under his belt of rehabbing, coming back from the torn ACL. Anyway, Munkin was asked about his time in Cleveland with Odell, and he had this to say about the player in person.
4: Can I, I don't even know the rules. Can I speak on it? Oh, so that I can speak on it. You can't speak on a guy that's under contract, right? Okay. I really like Odell. Odell, super athletic, twitchy really likes football, I mean, I really did. You know, it didn't work out the year I was there, but ultimately, he's like every skilled player. He's no different. I don't know why everybody gets pissed off. Like, he wants the ball. Well, really? Like, I don't know where I've been where a great player didn't want the ball. I didn't know where a basketball player didn't want shots or a baseball player didn't want to get bat bats. That's what they want. They want opportunities to showcase their ability. I think it's awesome. I think he's tremendously skilled and i like his personality likes to compete he has a tough deal though because he's a he in my opinion and he may think differently and he might it's like it's tough being a um a face does that make sense like nba deals with all the time but there's very few nfl players outside of quarterbacks that they really know their face that they're a they're a market they're and he's that way and i think that makes it hard you know at times when you're under the microscope like he is really is hard. But I, I liked Odell a lot, liked the skill set, liked his work ethic. He fought through an injury. Tremendous.
1: So again, don't want to look at this with two rose colored glasses on, right? Because it didn't work out in Cleveland and he and he was, you know, he admitted that. He he acknowledged that. But I thought that's the awareness that that's what I was talking about when I, when I said the word awareness and I feel like he's going to be able to relate to which you wouldn't think, right? The guy is in his late fifties. I believe he's been around the block. All these guys are, are, you know, these, these superstars in the NFL, completely different generation, completely different social media world and all of that. But I still get the sense that he's going to be able to resonate with players. And um, I'm, I'm interested to see, I'm not saying that, that Baltimore has like big personalities like an Odell Beckham Jr. on its roster, but every NFL locker room is full of a bunch of alpha dogs, you know, and I just feel like I like the, I like his chances of being able to relate to those guys.
3: Yeah. Well, first of all, Bobby, let's go back to your comment before the clip. I was all on board with the OBJ coming in late in the season in the playoffs, so I don't know. (laughs) you were. We were arguing about that all year. So, I don't know how you remember it like that. We were both on the same page on that. We were on different pages all year long. I was all for old Dale coming in late. All for
1: it. Well, the comment I was trying to make was, how I know you. Oh, we know you are, okay? <laughs> were. Okay. We're well aware of that. I, I didn't mean to, uh, you know, draw the line in the sand there. But, but no, I, what I meant is he made a comment like that. Oh no, I don't need regular season. like he was suggesting, maybe it was in said in in jest, who knows? But he was like, oh, I'll I'll join a team for, for January. Like I don't need regular season under my belt. And I'm just like, dude, yeah. it's not come on, like wake up. Yeah. Anyway.
3: Um, anyway, all right. So back to back to Monkin. No, to your point, I, I agree. Like he it's another instance where he has the ability to look at the game through his players' eyes. And so instead of complaining that some, that maybe some offensive coordinators might and be like, well, I can't feed everybody all the time, yada, yada, yada. And you may, you know, maybe buckle under that pressure and get defensive rather than become defensive. He's like, good. I'm glad you want the ball. And, um, and he's like, I don't know why people are so ticked off about that. Like, of course he wants the ball. And so he just seemed to be able to once again be able to like not feel pressured, not to feel, defensive if if you know a player like that were, were to be loud about wanting the ball and that's good because he's going to hear it non-stop from jk dobbins and if the ravens get in you know any you know big time wide receivers which you know would be awesome uh then he'll hear it from them too so it's good that he knows how to handle a situation like that
1: let's finish here and then we'll we'll take a couple questions so if you have q and a hit our comment section right now. And by the way, just a little bit of housekeeping. If you've been enjoying our content, please consider subscribing to the vault on YouTube. We also release daily episodes in about 15, 20 minute increments Monday through Friday. And we got much more coming up this week, uh, wherever you get your audio only podcasts, Spotify, Google play, Apple stitcher, you name it. But one of the last questions that was posed to Todd was about what was from WJZ's Mark Viviana. We love Viv I always comes with good questions Sarah and, and this one kind of got a rise out of, out of Todd because it was related to the pressure that comes with not only this position that he's coming into Baltimore to take but specifically just in the industry there is it, it, it's really tough when, when things aren't going well especially as an offensive play caller just ask Greg Roman you know it, it doesn't feel like the sun's coming up the next morning sometimes maybe in their world you know and and given the, the, the nature, and like you said earlier on, there's a little bit of toxicity, there's a little bit of negativity, some pessimism within this fan base related to Lamar Jackson, and deservingly so in a, in a way, right? This has been extremely, and I'm saying deservingly so, about the situation, not pointing at any one side, whether it's the team, Lamar, whatever. Uh, it, it's, it's been going on for years now, and Todd is going to be tasked, as Mark suggested, with fixing it.
4: Well, I think first off, as we all know in this profession, let's start with this. Um, This is week to week, month to month, year to year, because I don't think that fan base would have said that 19, right? I would have doubted that would have been the way that they thought of it, and things go year to year, and and then you reassess, does that make sense? Um, who doesn't like offense? For God's sakes, the league revolves around fantasy football. I mean, they want to see scoring, right? I mean, that's—it's interesting. You could win 41-40, or you could win 7-6, and you'd think the 41-40 team's just killing it. It's the way it is. It's what we're built around, right? Um, I only control what I can control. You say, "Is there pressure around it?" There's pressure everywhere. There was pressure, George. You could say, "Well, you had the best players." Yeah, but they expect us to go 10 and 2 at a minimum. That's pressure, you know. You. Can't lose many games, you know. So it's, there's pressure. It's what we do, that's what we sign up for. That that's our job. Like that anybody that says that doesn't come with the territory, they're lying. That's a big part of what we do. And yet that's some of what drives us, you know, that challenge of doing it better than they do it. Because that's what it comes down to in the NFL. You got good players, you got good coaches, you got good scheme. How do we do it better than they do it? How do we gain percentages? Whatever there is a one percent here, whether it's analytics, whether it's special teams, whether it's protection, whether it's a player, you're just trying to gain percentages to give you the best chance to move the football. So I'm excited. I'm excited to get started. Um, but again, um, again, like I always say, we're paid to score. You know, and if you don't score, that's no fun. I mean, I don't know what else to say. And it's fun. Obviously, I get it, you know, so.
1: We're paid to score. If not, it's not fun. And it hasn't been fun in the last couple months here, has it? <laughs>
3: It has not been fun. I mean, my goodness, especially when Lamar was out. I mean, the Ravens were like our score predictions during the season, Bobby. It was like thirteen to ten. You <laughs> know, it's just like, and it's not like the old school thirteen to ten where Lamar, where Ray Lewis and Ed Reed are pounding Ben Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning, who are good. It was like good defense. It's it's not the kind where it's just like, oh, you. It's just because it's not good football it's not good football so it once again i mean he gets it. he's like who doesn't like offense for goodness sake and talks about fantasy and all this and again he just is like rather than blocking it all out and you know some people say i don't care about your fantasy da 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 which i'm sure he still isn't thinking in those terms instead of saying i don't care about it he's like i get it i get it and so i need to produce and i need to produ- i need to produce points and i need to make this fun and if not i'm not doing my job so you know he sees it as part of his job and uh, again, he's just, we, we keep bringing up these clips. He's saying the right things because he just gets it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Truth bearer checking in on, uh, on our YouTube live stream. And I think he just, he hit this nail on the head here. Todd has that bill Parcells voice. Gotta love it. And it's just like a sustained raspiness. It's as if, it's as if like you're coaching all your kids in basketball, Sarah, all yeah. year long. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's it's perfect for the guy right the guy that we just learned about today and like had our first sort of impressions made on yeah it's it just fits perfectly
3: yeah i mean listen you can tell that i haven't coached a saturday game because we had the weekend off with president's day so like my voice is so much better but that is how my sound my voice sounds throughout the week especially on a monday after those games
1: sounding clean you definitely sounding clean as if you got a little bit of. Nice, nice flow in the vocal cords, but uh <laughs> let's before we wrap, as promised, let's get to some QA before we finish up. And our guy Adit checks in first and foremost. Will the Ravens target a speedster or focus on a bigger catch radius at wide receiver with Munkin? I I know I know where where I would like them to go here, but what's your what's your gut tell you?
3: Well, first of all, um I, and I know that you know this. We disagree on the draft philosophy this year. You have promoted, you know, not doing best player available. Uh, I'm still on that. I feel like I want somebody that that complements Rashad Bateman. I haven't. I'm. I haven't moved on with from him. I think Rashad Bateman is this, you know, great X receiver. If he stays healthy, uh, he's a great route runner. He's not slow, but I wouldn't call you know, call him a speedster or anything like that. So I feel like when he and Marquise Brown were together, that was a good, that was a good, you know, complimentary game. Uh, but having said that, if they do take a wide receiver, I still just care uh, in the draft that they take the best player available, whether he's a speedster or, you know, a big catch radius guy. I I, I don't care. I want it to, to be the best guy available. Now, if you go out to the veteran, the veteran market, um, then you have a little bit more flexibility with that. So, to me you know it'd be nice to to compliment Rashad Bateman but at the same time in the draft you just got to take the bet if you take a receiver take the best one available regardless of what style he is what's I your thoughts
1: I have questions as to whether Rashad Bateman at his peak which we have not seen it yet yeah certainly showed he's shown flashes but the uh, you know multiple injuries now have have kept him. I've kept him away from the field now for the better half of of his first two NFL seasons. So I guess I just have questions as to whether or not his peak is equivalent to a true number one wide receiver. Like I, mm-hmm. I think something tells me he's like a great second option um, and, and a complimentary option with, like you said, with, with a speedster, um, especially in terms of space and and what Todd clearly wants to do, you know, from, from a vertical standpoint and, and, you know, balance and, and making sure that every single guy who's run, who's lining up outside is is some sort of threat one way or the other so again I, I know the jury's still very much out on him you and i are definitely in agreement that you know we're not putting any conclusions on on rashad's career it's way too early to do that and you hope that he gets this full off season under his belt and he's able to put you know the, the durability concerns to bed because as he mentioned recently you know that they weren't a concern at minnesota They have been through his first two NFL seasons, and it's got me wondering what his peak level would look like, you know?
3: Totally get it. It's totally fair because how have we been able to see it? Um, So it's fair to have questions because he has been injured for half of his career. That being said, I mean, we're just talking about – I just mentioned the draft, but it's like, can Todd Munkin, please, listen. We're going to be on different pages. You know Odell. Bring in Odell. I'll take Odell. People talk about, you know, getting you know Chris Evans over here. I don't, I don't know how available. Mike, he is. Mike I, Evans? We, we did, yeah. Yeah. My bad. Mike, Mike Evans. Um, they were
1: together for three years and all three years for, in Tampa, a thousand yeah, y- yeah. plus yards.
3: We need to do, we need to do a good morning vault where we really look at everybody's contracts. Cause I don't know how available Mike Evans is. uh, And whether or not, you know, the Ravens can afford that, but Deandre Hopkins, you know, I'm, I'm here for all of that, all of that. And if, if Todd Munkin here, I'll I'll say this: there's been debate about why wide receivers wouldn't want to come to Baltimore. Some people who are not big Lamar fans will blame Lamar, like putting him in the box of a running quarterback. I, I really do believe that it was more Greg Roman. Um, I think when I hear other players talk about Lamar Jackson, including wide receivers. I think that they love him. I think that they believe in him. I think that they, I don't think Lamar Jackson is keeping wide receivers from signing here. I think that a vast majority of it has been scheme and and the opportunities that they would have had in a Greg Roman offense. So I, maybe I'm being too optimistic right now. And we're, you know, kind of in the honeymoon stage with Todd Munkin, but I really hope Todd, with with the way he approaches it, can change things to make veterans want to come here. There's an
1: interesting next question coming in from the A team at Keller Williams Real Estate Advising. Who are you cutting to make room for all those wide receivers? And I think what he means by all those wide receivers is at least, I don't know, at least. Two, right? Whether one comes through the draft or, or free agency, or hopefully both, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think I'll probably defer to one of our episodes recently that we, we did with, with Brian McFarlane. I know we went with two episodes. We had, we had a wall to wall salary cap space episode with Brian McFarlane. And then we also did six cap casualties the Ravens could potentially make that you won't like, right? And I can remember a few players that were on that list in the latter episode. It was Calais Campbell. It was Devin Duvernay. It was Gus Edwards. Am I forgetting anybody? Those, Those were the, are the three main big ones. names.
3: I, I think yeah. I have a hard time seeing Gus, regardless of, of who, Ravens sign or not. I have a hard time seeing Gus Edwards back on that current contract, um, mm. especially with how deep this running back group is. Devin Duvernay was one, like you said. Clayus Campbell, but he uh, he would be a restructure, not ne- necessarily a cut. He'd get the Marshall Yonda treatment. Um. Devon Duvernay as you said was was a big one which is just who are you going to replace him with because you got to have wide receivers anyway. I'd have to I'd have to look it up. Um so we also regardless- mentioned
1: players that were under contract, right? That like like a Chuck Clark or a Patrick Queen, we did an episode last week. Or did yeah. we mention those those players in that episode since they were under contract?
3: We definitely mentioned Chuck Clark. Um Patrick Queen may have been in there. Patrick Queen for, he's going to be just under 4 million. I don't feel like that's, that 4 million isn't getting you much for a receiver. You would have to, to, to get multiple guys, but I guess here's the overall point. You're going to have to, if Lamar Jackson's on the franchise tag, you're going to have to cut a lot of those guys anyway. So, I mean, and that's, you'll cut all of them and, and then not be able to sign any of the receivers that we're talking about. Right. So, to me the way you afford these guys is to get Lamar on a long-term deal or trade him which you know that I'm more thinking of get him on a long-term deal and then you're you're getting him at maybe half the cap space of of what a franchise tag would be maybe a little bit more above half and um and so In that scenario, like we talked about, you could get DeAndre Hopkins if you traded for him, extend him, and then maybe you could get his his 2023 cap down to that four or five six million range. That's all doable without cutting a gazillion people. But if Lamar Jackson's on the franchise tag, you're cutting everybody we just named and not replacing them, (laughs) except unless it's like you know undrafted rookies. (laughs) <laughs> or, or or veterans veterans on on veteran minimums that are like less than a million dollars.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's the reality of of an exclusive franchise tag that comes with yeah. well coughing up forty five point four million dollars, you know, in, in in one year. So, uh, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. It would keep Lamar in Baltimore for at least one more year, but there'd be major major roster ramifications uh, that that would come with it, uh, and as those dominoes would start to fall. So. Why don't we stick a pin in it there? We've been going for about 50 minutes or so. It feels like we're right in mid-season form, but it is the dead of off-season. We are uh, continuing to commit to what we've said we would from the jump, you know, and that is daily year-round Ravens content. We've been having a blast doing so. We recently launched a Patreon account, which uh, gives our viewers, our listeners, our supporters, a chance to uh, support what we're building here in Baltimore. So if you haven't already done so, go check out what we're offering at patreon.com backslash Ravens Vault Podcast. Be on the lookout for our one-on-one conversation with former Georgia quarterback Hudson Mason. It's going to be released later this week. And what else, partner? Uh, we always like emails, of course. Baltimore Ravens Vault at gmail.com. Hit us up. Uh, with what you have most on your mind as free agency looms. And of course, you know, today, as we broadcast this on the 21st, opens up that two-week franchise tag window that expires March 7th. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot still to come.
3: Yeah, and we definitely need to before this month wraps up. We want to do a mailbag at least once a month. So we're now, you know, the 21st. So we should start plugging that. Shoot us some some mailbag questions. Baltimore uh, BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com probably do that next week since we've got so much going on this week with with this Todd Bunkin presser and then uh our our interview with uh the Georgia quarterback so uh probably next week we'll we'll need to get that mailbag in
1: and that's one of our membership tiers on Patreon too like if you sign up for for our mailbag episode or I I should say our our mailbag level tier uh, then every single month you get to submit a question of your choice that we can address on our monthly mailbag. So that's something that we just literally implemented a couple of weeks ago, spent a couple hours doing it. We're looking forward to it. You know, it's, it really stemmed from all the outreach that we received from you about, hey, how can we, how can we support you guys throwing you a few bucks here and there uh, on a monthly basis? And we were like, well, you know, one way to do it is Patreon. So obviously it goes without saying we, we are incredibly uh, appreciative of, of the support and the interest you know, we weren't sure what the interest level would be going into the off season. I'm sure, I'm sure it helps. It's like one of the most pivotal off seasons in the 27 year history of this franchise, but we are committed to, to doing daily Ravens content and um, lots more to come partner. I'll give you the final word.
3: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just looking forward to see what Todd monkey can do. It's said all the right things. He seems like the right kind of guy seems to have the right mindset. I mean, the next step is all about Lamar Jackson and then Todd Munkin showing it on the field. So, uh, you know, you like what he said, as always, let's see how it translates to the field with
1: that. She's Sarah Ellison. I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this instant reaction episode here on the vault. We'll be back coming up on Wednesday morning. Of course, we'll have our interview with Hudson Mason and plenty more coming up as free agency approaches. Thanks so much for the support. And thanks for being with us on this edition of the vault. (laughs)